recording live, checking my connection, and we're good. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining me on this 145th episode of the BCMO Tech Tuesday. Thank you so much, guys, for being part of this wonderful opportunity. Just put some information down here. Um, and for those of you on YouTube, thank you for joining me on this wonderful archiving moment. I appreciate all of you. And for those of you listening on the broadcast or podcast networks, thank you so much. Hello, Marty, neighbor. For those of you who know Marty, he's a proprietor here in the U.S. for the Turbo Smart Controls Company. Ton of amazing products that he has. DW, good seeing you. Island Built, 619, good afternoon. Corvote is asking a great question. Is that a RoboRace car I see behind you? Yes, it is. I'm here in Marina del Rey, courtesy of Junior Mai and his team here at RoboRace, allowed me access to their beautiful facility. There's really no one here, you know, with the whole social distancing thing, which is great, but it's wonderful to be just surrounded by amazing machinery. And this right here is a beautiful RoboRace car. And we're gonna talk about that quite a bit. Bellboy Fab, hello Chris, good seeing you. Chris is a very talented fabricator who's worked on projects like our Odyssey in the past, great guy. Hello, June, and thanks for letting us use your facility here. Thank you so much. This is so fantastic and so exciting, which is great. And of course, um, you are all waiting for the wonderful opportunity here, right? So I'm going to drag it on a little bit. Marty is talking about uh, he saw this vehicle at the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Marty, I've never been there. I heard it's a fantastic event. I always watch the videos afterwards, right? Which is great. And for those of you who don't know what's going on here, RoboRace, they are really leaders in when it comes to automotive technology in terms of motorsports and creating a safer future for all of us by creating autonomous, high-performance vehicles. And I want to talk to you guys today about what is so exciting about autonomy and why that's important. Now, in the United States, there are tons of accidents that happen just in this country alone on an annual basis, tens of thousands. And those accidents, many of them are even fatal in nature. When we get to a point where we now have autonomous vehicles, all that can go away. I really mean it, guys. Ahad Mirza's here. Oh my goodness, Ahad, all the way from, wow, Ahad, I've known you as far back as Autometer, so, which is great, so he used to be a great sponsor for us. Blink Charging is here as well, saying it's a gorgeous car behind me here. And the autonomous vehicles allow for a safe environment. When we have the opportunity to have vehicles at level five autonomy, we will actually put accidents at bay. No more accidents anymore at all. But as an enthusiast, what does that mean for us? Well, I have been part of certain, I would say, scenarios with companies like Toyota, where you can have the opportunity to have autonomy and boring things like going to the market, or getting transported to work, or going to school. But when you come up to a winding road, as an enthusiast, you can take over the controls and have a blast. And with the advent of electric motors and the technology there that allows us to have a lot of fun, I absolutely am excited about what the future holds for us. So, as an enthusiast first and engineer second, I love speed. I just love the speed. But, speaking of speed, let me let the cat out of the bag, which a lot of you have been waiting for. So, my partners at Blink, wonderful company. They make an array of chargers for both commercial and personal use. They have this beautiful home charger that's a level two that can charge very quickly. One person had the opportunity to win by having having taken advantage of liking Bisimoto, liking Blink, and tagging two of their friends. It was that simple to be able to win. So I'm going to share the winner of the Blink home charger system. <laughs> yeah, it does look like Batman, doesn't it? And it is Tyler G. So Tyler G, I don't know if you're here, but yo, it's Tyler G, is the winner of our Blink charger. This is one of many. Um, so that being said, 
Thank you so much for allowing this opportunity, Blink, and for allowing my fans to be able to win <laughs> this wonderful charge. And more to come, guys. We're going to make this very exciting. And you can still take advantage of certain sales they have on Amazon, especially if you have the opportunity to become a pro, um, I would say a member of them. With this pro membership, you have the opportunity to get 25% off the charger. And if you keep paying attention to both Blink and Moto and following Blink, you have opportunities of winning even more charges, which is pretty cool. And it gets better. When you register and install the charger, you can get a $300 credit. How cool is that? In terms of being able to charge it. Now, some of you may say, wait a minute, I don't care. I don't have an EV car in my house. I don't have this beautiful rubber race car or a 935 or anything of that nature. But guess what? Even in your own homes, it raises property value. Because I'm telling you, here in LA, it's a big deal. When you try and sell a house or rent out a house and it has a level two charger installed, it actually helps with the property value. So by all means, congrats to Tyler G. It's Tyler G. Thank you so much. And I look forward to doing a lot more with all of you. Thank you so much, Blank. And thank you, Rubber Car, or Rubber Ace, for having us here, doing all this great stuff. June, I don't know if you're still here, but they're asking, a gentleman's asking how much horsepower does this make? And I don't know how much this one makes. So if you're able to share that with the team, that'd be fantastic. But back onto autonomy. It creates a safe environment. Even on a racing aspect, it really puts teams against each other and who can program the best going on and off the track or around the track and doing great things. I want to put something together internally where we can have a pro racer race one of our cars and then have an autonomous program put into it and see who can be better, man or machine. So something I may play with later on, you know? Congrats, Tyler, says Jordan Chase Rogers. Nice idea on added property value. It is, and even with Commercial property, even here at Rubber Race, as I walked outside, there are quite a few level two stations placed in this area as well. And it's great. It attracts great clientele. It attracts great, I would say, employees. And it's a great incentive for new hires to be able to have that as a benefit. It's really good. It's really good indeed, you know? Greatness VQ, you made it. Absolutely. Hello, R35, R13. Let me just get out of the way and show you guys what I have here. This is a beautiful car. This thing is absolutely gorgeous. And the delivery is sick. So... Number 33, rubber race vehicles. Beautiful indeed. Has a built-in TV cam, LiDAR, all that fun stuff. Have you ever thought about bidding MR2 as William Payne 16? Yes, as a matter of fact, I've shared this story many times. When I was in Nigeria, uh, before I came to the United States, I, I really wanted to have a really cool vehicle. And the cars I wanted, unfortunately, were cars I could not afford as a student. I wanted the MR2, the AW11, and believe it or not, they've Pontiac Fiero. I thought those two cars are pretty awesome. Um, and I ended up, uh, now I do have an AW11 project in my facility that I haven't quite decided what I'm going to do with yet. It's a rolling shell, red, very nice, old school, very pretty car. But uh, yes, I have thought about it, you know. Tom EV Nut is asking, BC, how are you? I'm fine, thank you for asking. Any new EV conversions planned? Yes. So here's the thing. Um, I have two high-profile vehicles planned for what was supposed to be SEMA this year. So even though SEMA's not happening, my partners at Toyo are still putting together their beautiful tread pass, and I'm going to launch these vehicles for everyone to view in a very safe environment, meaning um, virtually. So similar to what we're doing, and if you guys are not participating, by all means, we have a very cool event happening with Hot Wheels. It's going to be showing the Hot Wheels Facebook page. So if you haven't followed them, go on Hot Wheels Facebook page, like it. And it'll come up, I believe it's uh, 7 p.m. on Thursday, um, Pacific. Um, you'll have the opportunity to be able to have a good time. 
So nonetheless, we're going to do something similar with Toyo where we're going to view these cars. One car is going to be petrol-based because it's probably my, I won't say my last, maybe my last hurrah, on crazy ICE, the most technologically advanced but very clean burning twin-turbo setup. My second crazy project is going to be the most advanced EV I've ever built in my life. And I'm going to have to really pull some madness to be able to do something more advanced than what I'm about to build. So yes, that being said, I'm going to do that, you know? Which are the worst cars for long distance travel because they lose mileage very quickly? I would say, based upon my experience, the worst car I had for long distance, even though it was fun, but the worst car I had for long distance is pretty much maybe a tie between my, well, you know, I'll just say it's my Viper. <laughs> so it would be the fifth gen Viper I have. It's, it's very fun, very fast, but because of the gas tank size, which I barely get 120 miles when driving properly, um, it didn't carry a lot of luggage. So it was just a cool American supercar, but wasn't a great for high mileage traveling. It just wasn't very ideal. So that's my, my experience, you know? EV Launch Control says Nipsubishi, <laughs> cool name. Yes, that, that thing is awesome. So the Take On Turbo S, I had opportunity to explore that and that was fantastic. It was so fantastic and influenced me so positively that my next builds I'm gonna have would definitely have launch control. So I'm gonna do that indeed, you know? You're not letting the cat out the bag, huh? Says China GT3. I'm curious about the build you're talking about. Well, I have two of them. I can, okay, I'll give a little bit more away. I'll, I'll show the cat's tail, how's that? They are both Porsches. So I'm gonna build a, um, an EV Porsche and also a petrol Porsche. So those are two. And they will just break the internet. They're amazing cars. And they're both in paint right now, believe it or not, you know? Hey man, I'm doing this IG thing. Can you give me a shout out please? Says everything cars and F1. Just did, sir. Good seeing you, you know? Thanks BC, says a parts 24 Now I know, my pleasure indeed, by all means, you know? The best modification for a BMW M5 F10 so far, believe it or not, an ECU flash does wonders for that vehicle. Their performance flashes out there that significantly improve what the manufacturer left on the table. So you can do that, you know? William Payne 16 asks, what was the starter car donor for the EV935? Was it a slant nose? William, believe it or not, no, it wasn't. It was actually a 1984 Carrera SC that I found in the Palm Springs area in the garage of the president of the Porsche Owners Club here in Southern California. Ron Palmer is his name. And it was a car that I pretty much rescued. And what, what do I mean by that? It was sitting in his dad's garage destined to never see the road or track ever again. And I was able to, with the team at DreamWorks, graft on original Kramer molds or body molds onto that particular chassis. And hence, the 935 that is today. Now, for those of you who may not know, 935s are primarily 930 vehicles, you know, so not too far-fetched from the SC that we grafted it onto, you know? S2K Jose says you should do an S2000 build yourself. I did. You know what's weird? When I was at the old shop, as far back as 2007, I picked up an AP1, and it was silver. I painted the BC Motor blue, and my goal was to turbocharge and build this crazy spoon-bodied hardtop S2000. And when I got it out of paint, it was so pretty. I had the engine ready, the chassis ready, getting ready to put together and just go to town. A gentleman who worked at a local parts store saw it and said, I want that car, it's so beautiful. And maybe an offer I couldn't refuse, so I sold the S2K. I never ended up doing that, you know? Or a process said he likes a shirt. Thank you so much, sir. Let me know, guys, if you want me to put this out. This is a, a prototype. I love prototypes, don't I? This is a prototype shirt I have. And it's like a overlay BC, like kind of a 
weird, out of focus kind of thing, which is kind of old school, but it pays homage to the VC Model 935 K3V. So if you guys like this shirt, let me know and I'll bring it out. No problem. No problem indeed. You know? What turbo do you recommend for a K24? Precision and Garrett both garbage. Wow, that's interesting you said that, Portuguese. Um, my experience has been a little different, but I'm a huge advocate of Turbonetics. And you may say, why Turbonetics? Well, not only do they have amazing products, the Supers that used to come by and break my dyno, literally max my dyno out, all had Turbonetics turbos on them. And plus, a lot of people don't know this, but Turbonetics, one of their key customers, their key accounts is the U.S. government, believe it or not. So, they supply turbochargers to drones, to military aircraft, and so on and so forth. So that being said, it was really interesting that there are certain parts of the company, even though I'm good friends with the guys at Terminex, that I'm not allowed to go into because they have a lot of top secret stuff. If it's good enough for the US government and military, it's good enough for me. And they offer good warranties on their products as well, so I love that stuff, you know? Fox Design, etc., who is my very good friend Paul, who's helped me a ton of projects like the Waggle Van, and also the Hot Wheels Porsche center seat. Says, tell us about this Hot Wheels legend judging and the EV lean pin. <laughs> Hope you're getting some for your most loyal fans. So the judging is just really a virtual event that's happening this Thursday with Hot Wheels and I'm a judge there, I amongst others. So we'll judge the ultimate, the coolest car that's gonna be part of that virtual show. On the lean pin version, you know, it's something that's a very limited supply. I don't even know if I'm getting some of these, but they're pins of the Beast Motor K3V in its original livery. So you may have noticed that the livery of the K3V has changed slightly. Um, that change was for a film project that we did with a very high, um, I would say, high level designer and also computer company. And so it's like that for now, but it will change back to original livery very soon, which is really cool. But that being said, yes, that's what that's all about. So I'll try my best, Paul, to at least snag one or two for you. I will try, I promise you. But I don't even have anything yet. It's so sad. Anyway. Hello, Mimoto. Love that name. I wonder why. I really love it. So thank you for joining. I appreciate that, Psy Twin. I, I think I'll bring it out. So what I'll probably do is I'll probably put up two because I had this one on. I have this one on today. I had another one I wore maybe a couple weeks ago. Let me know which one you guys like the best. Hello, Falcon Lover Zach. Very talented young man who's starting to master Fusion 360, which is the same program I use for all of my designs and rapid prototyping, all that fun stuff, you know? You should do some EVVWs. I do, so Porsche, I shouldn't say that. You know, I, I probably should. What will really help me tremendously is if I end up getting a partnership with Volkswagen. I don't work with the Volkswagen IG um, at all. I don't have a relationship with them. And the great thing, as I talk about a lot, is when I work with manufacturers, it makes the process of design and also creation much easier because they can help us significantly with technology and also resources to make it happen. And typically when I work with a Ford or American Honda or Hyundai or Porsche, you see me be something new and something old school, which is always very good, you know? Hello, have you ever driven a Russian or Soviet car? Does a, a Lada count as one? Or maybe a Yugo? If that's the case, then yes. So where I'm from, I grew up seeing Ladas and Yugos, and I had the opportunity to drive them. They were kind of interesting cars. I'll leave it at interesting, you know? <laughs> what do you suggest? Hello, NSX Michael Mao. Good seeing you, sir. Very clean NSX Michael has. I've known him for very, very, very many years, and we've tuned quite a few of these projects as well. What do you suggest for a D15B series? Just want a little whistle. A little whistle, then turbo will do it. But if you mean that you want to stay natural aspirated and you just want something to give it a little more pep, there are a few things you can do. Intake, 
header exhaust. That really wakes it up. And if you still have your D15 gearbox, update to an EX or SI1, the gearing that, that jumped from a 4.0 to a 2.25 final drive does wonders. Porsche is a part of VW, so you can work on something there now. I, I wish it's that simple. They really act as silos, even though they're part of the larger group, yes. But Audi, Porsche, VW, proper, they all act in silos. They don't interact with each other. The marketing departments are completely separate from each other. As a matter of fact, a lot of the decisions made here in North America are in Atlanta for Porsche. And they don't talk to other guys from VW at all, you know? Hello, RX-7, your boy. Good seeing you indeed. My pleasure indeed. And, and once again, I want to really thank all of you for participating in the Blink giveaway. And special congratulations to it's Tyler G. Oh, you're Tyler G. <laughs> Yo, it's Tyler G. For winning. Congratulations indeed. Hello, Reyes Charm 79 PKFE30218. I guess it's 302018. Thank you so much. Hello, good seeing you, dude. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> What's this beautiful car behind me, you ask? Let me get out of this way because I feel like I'm, I'm messing it up. That is number 33, Robo Race, race vehicle. It's absolutely beautiful. So I'm here in Robo Race. That is actually an autonomous race car. So you cannot sit in that. It's fully unmanned and absolutely amazing. And actually, what is learned from this vehicle will help preserve lives for the future because the technology that goes in this trickles its way into mass production and allows us to better understand autonomy and be able to keep a safer future for us and our children as well, which is amazing, eh? Chaotic Vice 15 is laughing his butt off, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> I love listening to people pick your brain, says S2K Jose. Such an experienced person you are. So full of information. Thank you so much. And my information is really based upon my experience. And many of you may ask, why am I even doing this? Well, I'll tell you guys one thing. And for those of you who have joined me in the past, you know this. When I came to the United States as a student with my two suitcases, I always loved cars. And wanted the opportunity to be able to learn from people. So I go to shops with my CRX. That was my first car that I modified. And I say, hey, I really want to modify this. I want to buy parts from you, but could you help me understand how it works? Could you help me understand how it improves the efficiency and power of my car? Um, I have no problem paying for it, but I just want to understand. Could you teach me? I, I'm just thirsty for knowledge. And so many people just like, go away, African boy. <laughs> no, we're, we're not going to do that for you. Just drop off the car, pay us, and go. And that really bothered me until I found someone like John Concialdi, the founder of AEM. And plus, as an engineering student, I was able to use my expertise and knowledge and what I was learning to apply towards my vehicles. And I always vowed that I would never be that person. So what I'm doing now is... I'm being that individual I needed when I was younger. And I encourage all of you to do the same thing. If you have an opportunity where you have someone who needs your help, be there for that person because you never know what you can do to really point that person in the right direction or steer their life in a better situation as well, which is fantastic, you know? Um, so, you know Daniel Simon? Of course I do. Daniel Simon, if you look down on his feed and even on mine here on Instagram, you'll notice that he actually drove my 935, which I need to change that because when he drove it, I was only set up with like maybe 16 kilowatt hours of battery energy. And so he only had half of my battery packs active and he loved it. If he drives it now, he'll probably freak out because I'm at 32 kilowatt hours and it's amazing. It's much more refined than before. It's just, and it continues to improve. So what I may do is, what I'd love to do is as I build my new project, I'll probably bring him out Maybe we'll go to track and have some fun, but the guy is very talented. And for those of you who don't know Daniel Simon, if you think of movies like Tron, the most recent one, if you think of movies like Oblivion, 
if you think of a project like this, he's the proper designer. He is a very talented individual and someone I'm honored to have met. Any cons from running M1 Fuel as HDEF? Yes. So M1 is the designation given by VP Fuels for lab-grade methanol. Methanol is that component that has an OH radical that's similar to ethanol, but has a higher color content when you, ex you know, of course, expire it or better yet, ignite it with the same amount of air ingested. So if you, if you have, let's say, one cubic meter of air and you put a proper amount of fuel or gasoline, it'll make it create X amount of heat. A proper amount of combustion uh, fuel for ethanol, it'll create X amount of heat. Do the same thing for methanol, and it has the capability of creating a lot more heat for the same amount of air ingested. Don't confuse that with the color content per unit fuel, because that's different, but per unit air ingested was what engines care about. Okay. Now, one thing about M1 being a methanol is that it has a very low latent heat of vaporization. And you say, what does that mean, BC? Well, it means it, has, it doesn't take much temperature to be able to change it from the liquid phase to gas phase. But you're like, so what? The process of evaporation requires energy. And because it requires energy, it causes a cooling mechanism around it. And you know what cool air does to a car, right? When you're looking at a turbo or you're looking at something that's naturally aspirated, the cool air allows for a denser mixture, which allows more molecules of oxygen to pack together, which allows for more power. So, M1, based upon its caloric abilities for the heat it creates with the amount of air ingested, combined with its low latent heat of vaporization, hence cooling the intake charge, is just a match made in heaven. It's just amazing. It can create a lot more power than gasoline. You touch an intake manifold when running methanol, it feels ice cold. It's amazing as a fuel. But what's the caveat? As Hydef is asking, what's the con? Well, methanol is quite strong in terms of a cleaning agent, and also it attacks aluminum very easily and can also devulcanize rubber, which means it can remove the sulfur from the rubber. It can really attack rubber very easily. It can clog injectors very easily if left to dry. It's a very corrosive agent in terms of a fuel. So what do you have to do? You have to pickle your system each time you run it, meaning after you run your event with methanol, it's always a great idea to drain your system and then put gasoline in it and then run the car with a gasoline fuel map and then clean the injectors and keep everything happy. That way you don't contaminate any injectors, you don't clog anything, you don't eat up your lines, you don't, you know, eat up your aluminum. It's just much better to do it that way. But it's well worth the effort, even if you expire your engine. God forbid you're on the track and you blow your engine up, pickle it. Even if your car's running, pickle it. <laughs> that way you can keep things happy. But it's a great fuel. So the cons are, really, it's very corrosive and you're, you ha it requires a lot of maintenance. Huh? Um, whenever I build a car that runs methanol, I go out of my way to run Teflon lines for the entire system. And if you are going to run an oil, don't just run any conventional oil. You will hurt your engine. Run something like Purell that is methanol compatible that doesn't easily get emulsified by methanol. So it will run down your rings and you know oil that can really be very resilient or have chemical resiliency to that, which is pretty good, you know? Ray Sharm says, I need a TV show ASAP. <laughs> Thank you so much. Believe it or not, we talked to a lot of networks and we've been in quite a few shows, but I appreciate the vote of confidence. Thank you so much, you know? 
Reframe is saying, BZ, so great to see your growth-minded. Thank you so much. Yes, I, I live my life, really, I mean it, where every day I want to go to sleep better than I was waking up. Every day I progress. If it's a day comes that I didn't improve, it's a day of failure. And I don't like failure, even though failure could be a good experience, but I live to improve. What was your dream car growing up, says 767 Capo. Growing up as a child, believe it or not, it was like the Porsche 930. You know, who didn't have a poster of a Porsche Turbo on their wall? So that was my dream car, like, oh my God, that's the unattainable car, oh my goodness. Okay, I love the MR2, I love the Fiero, don't judge me, but the Porsche 930, oh my God, that was it, you know? But yeah. <laughs> if I had a dyno in front-wheel drive and did all-wheel drive conversion, would the boost change due to more grip or load? Boost can change based upon load. Yes, it can. Um, it's just a sheer... So think about it. It's almost like you can really see that on a low-base dyno. You'll notice that if you have the very same setup in the very same gear on, let's say, inertia dyno, and you're in third gear, if you have the load just free-flowing, you'll notice your boost will come up very slowly. But if you put more load, it will rapidly accelerate the boost, and you'll have a much faster boost pull-up. So yes, it does change that. But what I tend to do, because sometimes you may be on the dyno, tune your setup perfectly in two-wheel drive, and go to all-wheel drive, and now you have a load, maybe due to drivetrain losses or environment, where you may be in a boost situation or area that you never even tuned. I tend to build a boost per fuel map in the background on all my engine management solutions. So that even if I'm in a boost region that I didn't tune, there's a mathematical correlation between amount of air ingested versus the amount of fuel required. And I can do that primarily on the AM Series 1, Series 2, and Infinity without qualm. I have this great built-in algorithm. So um, if you're using a proper engine management solution, um, please choose one of the AEM choices because it's very good. I think you can do something very similar on Motec as well and Haltech and some of the good higher-end engine management solutions. Um, some OEMs allow for that opportunity as well, but it's something that can, you can do very reliably indeed, you know? BC needs to go live more often. I, I, I really do. You know, it's so funny. I told you guys earlier on that this is my 145th episode back-to-back, -back, and I treat it like church, pretty much, where I'm religious in doing it, whether it falls on a birthday, on an anniversary, or the birth of a child, or an event, or if I'm traveling, or if I have meetings with Google in, the, in, the, in Mountain View, I, I make sure I stop, or I'm filming in Rochester, New York with... with Hyperdrive and Netflix, I stop what I'm doing and I interact with all of you, my family. So it's, I, I'll try my best to probably do things more often, but it's, it's very challenging because my time is very, very crazy. But this time we have together is very important to me. And I try to make it happen with all of you, you know? Would a car that's powered by the front left wheel and back right wheel work? Yes, it will work well in turning very easily. So you could with very, well, it's not too bad logic. You could do that and allow it to move forward. It may have the propensity to want to turn a certain direction. Um, I'm going to do experiment very soon. I'm talking to a technical partner that I signed an NDA with as recently as last night, where I want to build an application that has individual motors in every four corner and play around with different ways of allowing for a better steering opportunity, better parking opportunity, and even some fun stuff like crab walking and spinning in one position. So, Carithos, yes, it can happen, not very efficiently, 
but I plan on doing some experiments to explore that even further and get more data for you and for others to enjoy. I'm a, I like to talk about technotainment, where it's technology that's entertaining. Technology doesn't have to be absolutely boring, right? And then entertainment doesn't have to be stupid. I feel like you can combine the two, and it's my goal to do that very, very soon, on a very large scale, by the way, you know? Boosted GD3 for me is asking, did you tune your CRZ build with Hondata Flash Pro? If so, what did you change in fuel and ignition tables to boost with anti-lag or especially anti-lag in general as Boosted GD3 for me? So here's the thing. When I first built the CRZ in 2010, there was no Flash Pro. Flash Pro did not exist. So I used an AM Series 2, believe it or not, as a piggyback of the factory ECU to control all the ignition, timing, fueling, and VTEC parameters for the car while keeping the vehicle happy on the hybrid EV side with the factory ECU. I also intercepted the control of the driver wire to let me do cool things. So with that, I was able to enter like no, no tomorrow. Since then, I've tried everything from working with companies like K-Tuner uh, to Hondata. On both K-Tuner and Hondata, I never initiated anti -Lag, but I was able to initiate that very safely on the AEM Series 2 ECU piggyback that I used. So unfortunately, I don't have an answer to that question. Um, so I did not set up with Flash Pro on that particular vehicle, you know? Trevor Battle says PTFLE lines fail from M1. That has not been my experience, Trevor. Um, I always use Teflon lined. Um, I do not use any rubber whatsoever on my setups. I actually use Teflon for both E85 and also um, uh, methanol. Now the thing is, PTFE sitting with methanol over an extended period of time. So I've never explored that because once again, because of my aluminum fuel rails, because of my injectors, after an event, I pickle my system. So I'm curious to your experience with that as well. I'm all open mind. Captain Alexander is asking about this beast behind me. What the heck is this? I'm at Robo Race in Marine Del Rey. It's a beautiful autonomous race car by the Robo Race team. And they're here on Instagram. So if you want to see their wonderful creations, look for Robo Race. R-O-B-O-R-A-C-E. Great team. Team of engineers, enthusiasts, and even very talented designers. Their stuff is cutting edge. And they're allowing us to have a future that's much more safe and much more enjoyable for only, not only motorsports, but also for daily commuting, which is great. Um, greetings from Argentina. Hello, Chino Okita. Good seeing you indeed. TV show, The Split Money Millionaire. Cool name, by the way. Ricky, I have a new shirt for you. Let me know if you like this. And I have the other shirt for you at the office. I put aside just for you, Ricky. I look out for you, eh? No problem whatsoever. I have not played around at all with the all-wheel drive Colorado LS7, Rob Rob. I've always been an advocate, I would say, of small displacement, high-efficiency engines, you know? Nice shirt. I need one when I pick up all your next time. I look forward to taking care of you indeed, you know? Um, 500 horsepower front wheel drive ran great, went all wheel drive and now boost spike, nothing was changed, would extra grip load change boost? No, that wouldn't cause spike. That wouldn't cause spike. It could exacerbate something else, but you may want to look, there's so many things that can cause spike and it could just be a hell of coincidence. It could be a slight fracture somewhere in your system, especially in the boost control mechanism itself. It could be the design of your intake manifold or exhaust manifold doesn't lend itself to very good boost control. And what I mean by that? Jim Genghis Khan, I did a very, like I had a rant pretty much a few Tech Tuesdays ago where I showed an, in, an exhaust manifold for turbo, which is, I'm starting to see a lot of them come to my office for tuning, and they're very poor designs where the wastegate, which is supposed to waste exhaust gases to prevent the turbo from overspooling, is placed 
on the collector or sometimes before the collector. It's absolutely ridiculous. And what happens is you're wasting only one or two cylinders on a four-cylinder engine while the other two cylinders are still trying to spool the turbo, hence causing spike. I don't know why people are designing this like this. I don't know if the fabricators know what they're doing. Are they, everyone, is everyone just copying everyone else? The proper way to have an exhaust manifold for a turbocharger is to have the collector collect and after the collector, give priority to the wastegate. Now, my friends at TurboSmart do a great job in creating these very large, very high efficiency wastegates that can even do a good job in making a very inefficient design work better. But still, there's nothing better than giving priority to the wastegate. So by all means, take a look at your manifold because if your manifold was already slightly not quite there, putting more load via an all-wheel drive system that can add a lot more, how should I say, drivetrain losses or, or load, could definitely push it over the edge. But the most easiest thing to do is to maybe do a boost leak test uh, and check and make sure that you don't have any fracture lines somewhere in your system. I'm also curious to what engine management solution you have because some engine management solutions have a closed loop function for boost control and can also help make a, an inefficient system a little bit better, you know? I'd pay good money, says Ima Moves, for a TV show or a podcast just to hear you talk. Thank you so much, sir. And I do have this on Podcast Network. So if you listen to your favorite one, whether it's on Spotify, on Anchor, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, iHeartRadio, whatever the case may be, just type in BC Moto and all of my stuff comes up. And you can listen to me whether you're jogging, driving to work, driving around, because most of us work remotely now, taking a break in the loo, whatever the case may be. So I appreciate the kind words indeed, you know? What lambda values do you use for tuning for water methanol? Well, it depends on the engine. So I'll give you a bit of a range, but it's a tight range in terms of water methanol, um, lambda. When I'm tuning an engine with that, it could hover anywhere from 11.4 to 11.8. That's it. So it depends on what the engine likes. Um, on high compression engines, I tend to really lean towards the richer areas. Um, on the medium to standard compression boosted applications, Definitely in the higher RPM. Some people do 12.4, 12.5. I'm big on reliability and longevity, so I would never sacrifice longevity or, or power for longevity. I just like to have a very, 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 very balanced one. That Porsche girl, how are you? Guys, I'm telling you, if you guys don't know the Porsche girl, she is so amazing. She's a Porsche nut, just like us. She has some really clean cars, and it's at every vet. She's just amazing. So the Porsche girl, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you as well, Nielsen Rooms. June, they're asking how much horsepower this thing has. Do you know offhand? Horsepower? Yeah. Uh, it's about 500. 500 horses. Don't race it, dude. <laughs> 500 horsepower on this, autonomous, which is pretty amazing, you know? Uh, do you still believe in America with all the craziness goes on? Asked Radisson. Radis, Radisson. Yes, I do. So, and I'll tell you why. Yes, a lot of things are going on. Um, but I come from a region that's pretty interesting. I come from West Africa, from Nigeria. And I came here with two suitcases and nothing. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to take care of my family and have just a great opportunity, great life here in creating masterpieces. I can, where else in the world could I have a design on paper today and in a year from now I'm driving it? Where else could I have that happen? It's absolutely amazing, you know? Rob Rob said, you in Rochester. Where the hell, why did you say so? I was, I, I put lives, I was... I was a live king doing that. So if you know Rochester where the Kodak building is, the Kodak Center, that big complex where Kodak was making things happen in your region, that's where I was. We're filming the show Hyperdrive. 
and um, I had some great guys on it. Rock, you know, it was like, it was amazing, you know? Um, Charlize Theron was the executive producer. We had the opportunity to have really a good time there. It was just absolutely great. And I made some, made some good friends there as well, you know? Um, reminds me of the four-wheel Yeah, that was interesting. The four-wheel streaming prelude says BK to Menace. That was really hard to work on, you know? Kato House June is asking, should I mod my Type R? Absolutely. He, he, I can't believe he's had a Type R this long, these many months, and hasn't modified it. The first thing I would have done on a Type R is an intake from AEM. Second thing I would have done was a flash. <laughs> Not too crazy, just, just a, little, a little pep, you know, which is pretty cool, you know? Oh, my goodness. Uh, got my K20. Now I'm looking for a CRV transmission, all-wheel drive conversion. Have anyone you recommend? I got mine. So I've, I've purchased K20, uh, K24 all-wheel drive um, gearboxes from OfferUp. I've bought a whole car from auction. If you're down to do a car, you know, um, I can probably help you. So just send me a DM. Maybe I can help you find a full car. You can part it out and then have a gearbox and drive train for free. How cool is that? Hey, BCSA Jade Talk. I need E85 for Yes, you do. So it's an amazing fuel. So for those of you who know, don't know Jay, he's a great guy, Jason. He lives in Northern California, has this amazing race car, beautiful white Porsche 911. He just did, I mean, he just, he didn't heat what my Cayman did in December cold. He made pretty much 480 wheel horsepower, 91 octane, put together this wonderful turbo kit system, which he may bring to the masses, and I'd be more than happy to help you guys get access to it through him. And it's just a bolt-on for the 997 setup, whether it's the 997 base or 997S like he has. He really makes this Porsche 911 feel like it should. And with E85, we can push that. I stopped at that power level because his vehicle started getting knock sensitive with the high compression and the 91 octane he's running. With a flex fuel line to really complement his AEM Infinity system, in his return, he can be able to monitor the content of fuel. So I already have a tune for him on petrol. We can do a tune here for him on E85, and I can interpolate between the two. So any combination of gasoline and ethanol, he doesn't have to change the maps. He doesn't have to think about it. Boom, he's done. How cool is that? So, Jay, let's make it happen. I'm down. You will love corn. Absolutely. Corn is what I got into because I felt guilty about being all these crazy flame-shooting Porsches, and I was polluting the atmosphere, so I went straight to ethanol fields to have less guilt, pretty much. And then the EV world just took me by a storm, you know? Um, have you done any work at Porsche Panameras? I'm debating between one and AMG wagon. Texas Holyfield, yes I have. Those things, they, they can, if you get a Panamera Turbo and get a little beastie mode of flash on it, you can embarrass a lot of people. There are people in California putting a whoop down on Chargers and Challengers with a four-door Panamera, which by the way, when you drive a Panamera, Porsche did a smashing job. It feels like a coupe. It doesn't feel like a four-door. If I put blindfolds on you and put you inside a Panamera and say, okay, don't look back, drive, you will swear you're in a coupe. That's how good the chassis engineering is on this car. Absolutely amazing. You know? So, Rod Motorsports has a good question. He says, BC, could you talk about boost on stock K24? How much boost can I take OEM? Very good question. And one that actually is a little bit entrenched in some, how should I say, misunderstandings. Boost is not a number that determines power. Boost is pretty much a number that allows you to reach a certain horsepower. So, what do I mean by that? You can have a very small disco potato, a small 48 millimeter turbo, like what J-Dog has. And you can boost the 15 PSI with that one small turbo, 
and you'll probably make, let's say, 300 horsepower at 15 PSI with that one turbo. I can take a large 72 millimeter turbo, which is on my wagon, put the same 15 PSI on the 72 millimeter and make 600 horsepower. Well, guess what? It's the same pressure, but because of the size of the turbo wheels, for every revolution of the wheel, more air is pushed in. For every pressure level, more air is pushed into the motor. So hence, the ability to make more power. The best way to do that is a rule of thumb on a horsepower. How much horsepower could a K24, a K24 Z3, K24 Z7, what could it take safely? Well, my experience has been 400 to 420. You can run that, track it, have fun, as long as the tune is safe for you. As long as you don't misbehave, you have good fuel, good oil, like pure oil, and you're good to go. So 400 wheel, 420 wheel is a happy medium. Now, by the way, if you start misbehaving and having engine knock and all that other rubbish, you can expire your engine very easily, but that's good. Whatever boost level it takes you to get there is good. If you're building a full drag car, put a bigger turbo on it, and you can do that at 6 PSI. If you want quick response, you're doing some kind of uh, road racing, and bottom end is very important to you, Put a smaller turbo, put a 57 millimeter turbo on that. And you can do that at 11 PSI. So PSI is not the unit of measurement of how much you can do. It's more of how much horsepower can you push reliably and make that happen. So on that note, I must depart, guys. I really appreciate all of you joining me this afternoon on this 150, 145th episode of the Beast Mode Tech Tuesday. Hoffmanator, I appreciate the kind words as well. Tyler G, congratulations with your yo, it's Tyler G moniker here on IG. Congratulations for you winning the wonderful Blink Level 2 Charger. RoboRace, thank you so much for really showing me your facility despite this madness here with COVID. You're able to give me access to your lovely facility and allowing me to do my Tech Tuesday here. In the meantime, guys, stay safe. Be that person you needed when you're younger. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Take care, everyone. Cheers. Bye-bye.